It's a story that just won't go away. More Lincoln Riley rumors, more details on the contract offered coming up on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Sooners Nation. Welcome to the Lockdown Sooners Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at the Sooners Wire at usatoday.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Sooners and on Facebook, Lockdown Sooners Podcast. And like I said in the open, today's show, we're going to dedicate some time to Lincoln Riley rumors. To LSU, I know we talked about it a lot on the Big 12 Roundtable as well, but I didn't really feel like I got a full opportunity to uh, express all of the, the things I wanted to say about that. But we've got also some more details and more rumors as to what Lincoln Riley has been offered by the LSU Tigers. Now there were, there were reports, there were some rumors that LSU was willing to make Lincoln Riley the highest paid coach in college football, or at least pay him more than they paid any college coach before. And on the Jay boy show yesterday, uh, he said he has sources saying that, LSU was prepared to pay him eight years, $96 million a year. Wow. That's a lot of money. Um, it, it still doesn't change my opinion that Lincoln Riley wants to stay at Oklahoma, that he's going to stay at Oklahoma. I do believe that LSU is interested in, in Lincoln Riley. I don't think that's, I, I think that's fairly obvious at this point. Now, there were there was a you know some rumors a few weeks back that Lincoln Riley took a trip to LSU during the bye week. It's you know who's to say we don't know we don't know Lincoln Riley's travel plans, but if somebody's throwing that much money at you and you don't listen, I mean you're you're probably not real wise. I mean even if you're going to say no, you gotta you gotta listen to to offers. I feel like you know I've. I'm a nurse. Y'all know I'm a nurse. I've, I've worked in the nursing field for you know 16 years. And uh, even if I wasn't planning on moving a job, if I wasn't planning on leaving a job, if somebody came to me and offered me a job that might have made more money, I was going to listen to it. I mean, right now, travel contracts right now are ridiculous for nursing you know positions. And I've, I've looked, even though I have no plans on leaving where I'm at, I, I'm staying where I'm at. I'm going to be where I'm at. But it doesn't stop you from looking sometimes you're like, Oh, look at that. And you kind of wonder what's out there and you wonder, you know, what are the, the possibilities? Uh, you know, that's something that I always look at. I, you know, if you're, if you're a dreamer at all, you kind of look at the possibilities, whether you plan on, you know, pursuing those possibilities or not. And I don't think, I still don't think Lincoln Riley is going to leave. Now people are constantly telling me that LSU is a better job. And I just don't know if it's that better of a job. To, I mean, yes, they've won national titles more in the last couple of decades than Oklahoma has. And, you know, people want to point to the blue chip prospects in Louisiana versus Oklahoma. But that's that that's kind of short sighted. Like if you look at where Lincoln Riley is recruiting from, he's not just recruiting Oklahoma. And he's not just recruiting Texas. He's got you know eyes on the on the West Coast in California. He's dipping into Florida. I mean, we see with the 2023 recruiting class, I mean, they've got people coming from the DMV, from Texas, from Oklahoma, from California. You know, the California trio, they got 
uh, DeAndre Moore. They've got uh, Makai Lemon, Malachi Nelson from Florida. They got a commitment from Brandon Innes. You know, the DMV has been huge for them as well. They're dipping into Las Vegas. It's, I mean, there's not a place that Lincoln Riley isn't touching with his recruiting footprint. So I don't think that the fact that LSU has supposedly more blue chip prospects based on, you know, recruiting rankings or the LSU's recruiting ranking has been higher. Uh, if you look at, you know, what it's been the last few years, I don't necessarily think that that means that LSU is far and away a better job than Oklahoma. People might want to point to the SEC. It's been, you know, it's been in the SEC. Yeah, for sure. Oklahoma's headed to the SEC. So that kind of creates a moot point there. What does Oklahoma's recruiting footprint look like heading into the SEC? I mean, right now they've got a number one recruiting class in 2023. And at the same time, do recruiting classes really reflect the quality of a job that somebody has? Texas's recruiting classes are generally above Oklahoma. If you look at you know the 2018 to 2020 recruiting cycles, Texas consistently ranked ahead of Oklahoma. What's that gotten them? They just lost to Kansas. I mean, it's a four-loss, you know, a four-win team this year that is on a five-six game losing streak, five-game losing streak, and potentially could end the season that way it's i mean i you know we're going to look at recruiting rankings that's our best way to gauge where these prospects stand and how a recruiting class looks at the same time it matters just as much what you do once you get these guys on campus and oklahoma has done a really good job of kind of putting it all together and compete competing for big 12 titles obviously it's going to get more challenging and when you get to the sec there's no doubt about that but I think the move to the SEC. Now we talked with Parker Thune several you know months ago about the Oklahoma move to the SEC and what it does for recruiting, and, and basically he just said it's going to give them a boost. And we're and we're right now we're seeing it, you know, with the 2023 cycle. 2022 is a top eight class right now because these guys foresee that Oklahoma is going to be in the SEC sooner rather than later. So I mean. I, like I said, I have no doubt that LSU really wants Lincoln Riley. Why wouldn't you want Lincoln Riley, right? Every time a college football job is going to open up, Lincoln Riley should be at the top of the list. I mean, we saw it even with USC rumors. Like when USC fired Clay Helton, one of the first names that popped up on the, on the, on the uh, coaching candidate list was, was Lincoln Riley. And I get it. Like he's going to show up. That doesn't mean he's leaving and – you know, just because LSU offered him eight years, $96 million, doesn't mean that Lincoln Riley is going to leave for eight years, $96 million. He likes where he's at. He said it in his press conference on, on Tuesday. Now coaches say things all the time. They make moves all the time. It's just the way of college sports. But he, like I said, he's had opportunities. I've talked about it on the Wednesday show on our big 12 round table. He's had opportunities to move on to supposedly better jobs, including the Dallas Cowboys. You know, the Dallas Cowboys were very interested in Lincoln Riley at one point in time. They've got a good relationship with him. The Philadelphia Eagles were interested in him at one point in time. The Cleveland Browns, I mean, he's he's been, you know, sought after by a lot of, you know, organizations. The guy seems to want to be a college football coach at the University of Oklahoma. There's no reason to leave right now with the top eight class coming in 2022, the number one class coming in 2023. You're just breaking in your true freshman quarterback in Caleb Williams. It doesn't make any sense to move, especially if you like where you're at. 
Sometimes the grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence. Sometimes where you're at is where you're supposed to be. And if you've got a good thing going, which Lincoln Riley does have a good thing going, despite what's happened in the last week, two weeks, then you got, then just enjoy it. And it would not surprise me one bit if the Oklahoma Sooners and Joe Castiglione came with a contract extension, maybe not matching the numbers that LSU's putting up there, but giving him a significant bump in pay as he goes into the offseason. That's usually how these things end up playing out and turning out. So we'll continue to follow this. I don't know if there's going to be much more to come of it. Lincoln Riley's spoken on it. I don't think he'll continue to speak on it, you know, especially if it if it continues to pop up, he's not going to want to talk about it while Oklahoma still has meaningful football left to play this year. Um, it, yeah, he's just not going to want to do that. So coming up next, let's talk about where Oklahoma and Iowa State land on the betting uh, list, according to Bet Online. Uh, who's the favorite? What's the point spread? What's the over-under? This game might be a lot closer than most people think. We'll talk about that next coming up here on Locked On Sooners, but let me talk to you about Made In. Made In is cookware, professional cookware for those who love to cook. We've got a great pan from Made In. Use it just the other day to make some pancakes for my daughter. It evenly distributes heat. It does a great job of, even on like really low heat, having a good heat to it um, that you don't have to have you know, high heat in order to get done what you want to get done. Like I said, evenly distributes the heat, perfectly cooked these pancakes. We did grilled cheese earlier this week as well. My wife's made stir fry. We do all sorts of things in this made in this made in pan. It's been fantastic for us. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. These are typically products that are available to just restaurant owners and the top chefs around the world, but you can get it as well going to madein.com. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and you can easily go from the stovetop to the oven. If you use, like to use a uh, cast iron skillet, you can do the same thing with Made In Cookware. They have 40,000 40, five-star reviews and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants around the world. Made In Cookware is better cookware for better meals. And right now, Made In is offering our listeners here on Locked On 15% off your first order with promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N. And this is the best discount available anywhere online for made in products. So go to madeincookware.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash locked on and promo code locked on. All right. And we got some betting lines that we got to check out courtesy of betonline.ag. You've heard about here on bet on, uh, on Locked On Sooners and across the Locked On Podcast Network. But Bet Online right now has Oklahoma favored at three and a half points with an over-under of 59. All right, so let's talk about this for a minute. So when you're the home team in a football game, generally you're going to get three points. That's just kind of the way the, the betting world works. As the home favorite, you're going to get some points. So Bet Online is basically calling this game a push. If, you, if this was going to be played at a neutral site, Oklahoma would be a favor by, favor by half a point. And I think that's how this game really stacks up, and we'll continue to talk about it you know, in more detail on the Friday episode. But this is going to be a tough game. You know, Iowa State has been, had a disappointing season. They've not been the Big 12 championship contender that many thought that they were going to be, myself included, going into the season. I thought their experience was going to help carry them throughout the season, but it just really hadn't played out that way. 
they've just been so up and down and inconsistent. You know, they've, they've had great games, you know, where they've, they really dominated their opponent. And then they've had some clunkers like against uh, West Virginia where they give up 38 points and, and lose. So it's, it's really a weird team uh, to follow this year. And it's kind of pretty reflective of who Iowa state's been in years past. Generally speaking, you know, last year they, they really jumped up and became the second best team in the conference playing for the big 12 title. But yeah, this is a, a Matt Campbell team that just hasn't performed up to its capabilities. And I don't necessarily think, though, that's reflective of who this team can be this Saturday coming into Norman. You know they're going to come in fired up, ready to play the Sooners. They've, they've got some unfinished business against Oklahoma after the Sooners knocked them off against uh, in the Big 12 title game last year. Uh, and, and I think, you know, they, they've been a team that when they've had a letdown, they've bounced back. And that's what they had last week against Texas Tech. You know, Texas Tech put up 50 points on them. And, you know, you know they're going to bounce back and, and have a better game this week against the Sooners. I, I fully anticipate a heavy dose of Brees Hall this week after what Baylor did last week. You can almost bank on it. Uh, you know, Brock Purdy kind of has a similar style, play style as, as Gary Bohannon. You know, maybe not the same athlete, but he is a, a mobile quarterback and, and can move around a little bit. Um, and, and about the sim, a similar style of passer to or, or quality of passer, you know, he's able to make plays, but he's not going to be somebody who's going to drop back 50 times and just kill you. You know, he's not going to sling it around and, and beat you that way. The difficulty for the Oklahoma Sooners is that because he is more, a little more mobile, you know, getting first contact on Brock Purdy isn't going to be enough at times, you know, especially on the pass rush. You're going to have to be able to contain him. If you keep him in the pocket, I think you keep him less dangerous. You let him get outside the pocket and work outside of structure, and he's going to have a little bit easier time, I think, making plays on the Sooners. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley, he mentioned it in his uh, Tuesday press conference, you know, looking at Iowa State. Uh, you know, he said this is, this is not a, a team that is a 6-4 and four team. Um, he said – I'm trying to find his quote, actually – I can't find it. Sorry, this is terrible. Um, uh, uh, there, there it is. Nope. Sorry, everybody. Um, no, this he just basically said like you know this is a team that is still a really good team. You know he he fully expects to get their best their best performance coming up. You know he spoke specifically on Charlie Kohler and Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. Um, and Iowa State's defense. He says, yeah, I think they're the 10th-ranked defense in the country, so they're pretty good. Yeah, they've had a couple of games where they've given up maybe a few more than they typically do. They're still really good. There's been a couple of big plays here and there that maybe they haven't given up in past years, but not much. They're an extremely good defense. And I, and I, I think so, too. You know, I think they're really, really good up, up front. They're going to be really physical with the Oklahoma Sooners. And, and that's the thing that kind of concerns me for this game is that if – Teams come in and are as physical as Baylor was last week, especially with the Oklahoma Sooners wide receivers, and the receivers don't get the benefit of the flags like they maybe should have against Baylor, then I think it creates a potential problem for the Sooners as you know they, they just didn't look like they were ready to fight through, through contact to finish their routes and make plays on the football. And that's something that hopefully they're, they're improving on this week because that was a huge issue against Baylor. Uh, 
as inconsistent as Caleb Williams was, I mean, some of that was because his receivers just weren't getting good releases. They weren't, you know, fighting through the top of their routes to, to finish their routes so that they can make a play on the football. You know, I, I do like Oklahoma to bounce back in this game and, and I, you know, I'll talk in more detail about it on tomorrow's show, but it's going to be a tough one. The Iowa State Cyclones always play Oklahoma tough. They did it last year. Obviously, they beat them last year. And I think, again, they're going to be in for a bounce-back game as the the Sooners look to continue to contend for a Big 12 title. Um, I think there's there's some misconception a little bit. Like, it, it's you know definitely disappointing for Oklahoma to lose against the Baylor Bears, but I, I, there's, they're not, their season's not finished. Do they have an outside shot at the college football playoffs? I think so. I mean, a lot would have to go right for them. They'd have to have a lot of teams lose as, you know, as they continue to win. Obviously, they'd have to win out. There's no choice on that front. You get no – I mean, they had no margin of error before. They, they, def, like they have less than zero margin of error now. And – if they went out, if a lot of things happen between, you know, especially in the Big Ten, like say the Big Ten champion doesn't come from the Big Ten East, like say it's not Michigan, Michigan State or Ohio State that wins the Big Ten, then potentially, I mean, or Cincinnati loses or Oregon loses. I mean, then then there's an avenue that opens up for the Oklahoma Sooners to find their way into the big into the college football playoff. Obviously, that doesn't need to be their goal because they just got to worry about the first thing in front of them and that's Iowa state. And, but it's a team that's beatable. Oklahoma can beat them. Um, but they got to do a lot more and, and we'll talk about it coming up on the next segment. Just a few things I think they got to do differently against Iowa state than they did against Baylor. Uh, but first, let me talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. It remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using our promo code Locked On. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Again, you can get Oklahoma minus three and a half right now against Iowa State with over under 59. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. It's bet online where the game starts. Hey, and I actually never told you what I would do there. I I, I would take Oklahoma in the points. I mean, that three and a half point margin. I don't think it's going to be a field goal game. I think it's going to be one of those where Oklahoma wins by at least a touchdown. I, th- I do think it'll be a close game, but I think it's going to be like six or seven point differential on this one. You know, similar to um, kind of a lot of the games this year. I think they do play a close game, but I think Oklahoma ultimately wins it uh, by at least a touchdown. Um, so let's talk about this. So against Baylor, uh, one of the things that they struggled with obviously was against the running game. You know, through three quarters, they were pretty good but the, the dam kind of broke open in the fourth quarter. But uh, Baylor ran for like 296 yards. They averaged more than six yards a carry. And we're, we're really good. I mean, even in the first half, they were effective. They were moving the ball with the run. Gary Bohannon was just missing, play, missing passes, you know, overthrowing guys, missing open receivers. And Oklahoma was kind of bailed out a little bit by that. They, they had a good like bend, don't break defense going through the first three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, the, the bend broke. Um, 
So Oklahoma's going to have to play the run really, really well against Brees Hall and Iowa State. I mean, we know what they want to do. Oklahoma knows what they want to do. They're going to want to run the ball. They knew what they wanted, to, what Baylor wanted to do, and they could stop it somewhat. I mean, they were able to kind of contain Baylor on third downs, force some third and longs, and get off the field. But and and Baylor missed a field goal. They had you know some turnover. They had a turnover themselves. So Oklahoma's going to have to do the same thing when they have opportunities in third and six or longer. They're going to have to get off the field. Anytime that it's a passing situation, they're going to have to make a play because obviously their, their biggest strength is the pass rush. They don't want Iowa state getting, getting a lot of short yardage situations, whether it's second and five, third and three or less, because that's going to allow them to do what they want to do. And that's run the football. The less you can allow Iowa state to have favorable, favorable down and distances that allow them to run the football, the better for your defense offensively i mean they got to do everything better right i mean but specifically they got to sustain drives they were just two and nine on third downs against baylor they've got to be better than that they've got to find their third down first of all they got to avoid third down you don't want to get the third down if you can just get first downs which they've done a really good job of like they're not always getting the third down on on their drives if they can just get first downs that's all that really matters. Like you don't have to have a good third down conversion rate if you don't get third downs. So, you know, to me, like the, they need to run it a little bit more. Like I'm not saying they got to run it 40, 50 times a game, but I feel like they need to continue, like keep balance throughout. They went away from the run game in the second half of that one. Kennedy Brooks had only five carries in the second half. He had eight in the first half, but it was never really a full commitment. Like if you take away the, the scrambles and the sacks, I mean, they only ran the ball 19 times. That's not enough in a game that was a 10-7 game going into the fourth quarter. They need to run it more. Just to, if anything, to take a little bit of the pressure off of Caleb Williams. And I think they can do some things like with draw plays, just a designed running back draw that might help slow down the pass rush a little bit of Iowa State. Uh, you know, as opposed to just running straight traditional runs or read option runs, if you run some draws, you know, out of a kind of out of a traditional you know, shotgun set, it's going to slow the pass rush down a little bit because they'll have to start thinking twice about, oh, they might run a draw. I got to stay in my run fits as well. I can't just, I can't just rush the passer. Um, you know, what the draw play does is basically, you know, it, it looks like a pass. The quarterback kind of takes the ball, stands up like they're going to pass it, and then they just hand it to the running back and they can, they can run. Um, but it, it, it's, it's similar to a play action pass in that it, it makes the defense hesitate a little bit. Um, and so I'd like to see them do a little bit more of that. You know, throw some bubble screens. They've been, they've been really, really effective this year in, you know, getting the ball out on the perimeter and letting their guys make plays at the wide receiver position. I don't, they didn't do much of that last week against Baylor. And that, that would have been a really good opportunity for your, your wide receiver group to get involved, uh, to make some plays after the catch. We, you know, we know guys like Mario Williams are very effective after the catch uh, when they get the ball in their hands. Michael Woods, same thing. Um, and, and then get Mario Williams on the field more. You know, Drake Stoops out-snapped him by like 30 snaps. And I don't know what the deal was with that. But, um, you know, yeah, Drake Stoops is a great, you know, great player. He's a really good player. But he's not nearly as dynamic a player as Mario Williams. After what we saw against Texas Tech, it's kind of odd that Mario Williams would not play as much. Um, now, there's no indication that he had an injury or anything like that. But I think you got to get him on the field more. He's been too good of a player for you to not play um, as a full complement of snaps. Um, 
obviously Caleb Williams has got to be better. He's got to be a little bit more decisive. Um, and, and I think this also includes like with scrambling, like if there's nothing there in coverage, don't just sit back, just, you know, start making something happen. You know, he, I think that was some of the issue against Baylor is that he'd get to the top of his drop and wouldn't see what was happening or wouldn't see something, anything that he liked, but he would just kind of sit there and hope things for, would open up and eventually the pass rush would get there. Now that's in the first half when he actually had a little bit of time to sit back and, and scan the coverage. And then in the second half, you know, the Baylor Bears are just pinning their ear backs and getting after him. He's got to be decisive with the football. And Lincoln Riley's got to help him out a little bit too and not run everything four verts. You know, like you want to run some of that, but you also need to have an underneath option as well that he can dump it off to you. And, you know, I, you don't want a guy that's going to completely check down every time, but you do want him to have an option uh, to check it down to when there's nothing available down the field. So I, I think that uh, if they can do those three things, if they can contain the running game a little bit better, you know, I, I expect Brees Hall is going to have a hundred yards in this game. He just, he's a great player. He's one of the best running backs in the country, but if they can at least hold him to like four to five yards of carry versus six to seven yards of carry, I think if, uh, you know, they get the wide receivers a little bit more involved in, in the bubble screen game. I think that'll help if they run the ball more consistently. I think that'll help um, or at least stay with the run, you know, e- even if they're not as effective with it, but they just continue to kind of pound away at it. Even at three yards a clip, three and a half yards a clip, that's going to help Caleb Williams. It, because we know that Lincoln Riley is going to want to run play action pass. If you use the play action, get Caleb Williams uh, using that, because they're they're expecting a run, even if it's like a first down, like a first down play action. I think that goes a long way, but it only it only helps if the defense actually thinks you're going to run it. So you got to stay with it a little bit. Um, you know, just the even the token, you know, token first down run every once in a while would be nice. Uh, and then, yeah, Caleb Williams has got to be better. I mean, true freshman quarterback or not, he's got to be one of your best players. It's a quarterback game, and he's been great this year and there's no reason to go back to Spencer Rattler. There's no reason to uh, make a quarterback change at this point. And knowing he's your future, you want to get him as much experience as you possibly can, but you're also still contending for a big 12 title. So he's got to be better. And, and he knows that I'm sure he knows that going into this, this game that he's got to have a bounce back performance. And I think he will. I mean, we, this guy seems like a resilient dude. He's able to let things go. And, and so I fully anticipate he's going to have a bounce back game, but, it's going to be a fun weekend. The Sooners, I think, are going to bounce back in this one. I'll have my score prediction for you on tomorrow's show. But it's, man, it's going to be a great game because Oklahoma and Iowa State has become one of those, those matchups that is one of the better games to watch in college football. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners or on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show on YouTube and give it a like as well. Let me know in the comments how you're feeling about it. Give me your score prediction for the game. Uh, What's your key to the game? I want to hear about that as well. We'll talk about it on tomorrow's show. I'll give you my keys to the game as well. I uh, talked about what they need to do better this from last week to this week, but I'll give you my keys to the game on tomorrow's show. But until tomorrow, I'm John Williams. Boomer, sooner. <laughs>